Hello, and welcome to Worst Best Sellers, where we read about the town with pep and also werewolves, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read A Werewolf in Riverdale by Caleb Rorig. Joining us to discuss this Archie Comics tie-in novel are two guests who can speak for themselves. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Chris Collision, and I'm just uh, howling at the moon about getting a- about being able to talk to y'all about uh, werewolves beseeching army comicsdom. Uh, and I'm J.W. Jughead Friedman, mostly <laughs> just mad that I can't find a place to get a burger with sardines on it. <laughs> and if you didn't recognize just from their voices, they are, of course, the co-hosts of I Don't Even Own a Television, the podcast that does what we do, but different. <laughs> 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 the only other duo crazy enough to read something horrible on a regular basis and then talk to the internet about it. <laughs> Which, like, can I just say how much I have been regretting this choice of side gig during this pandemic? Oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Me too. My friends are all, like, playing, like, Jackbox all the time, and I'm like, uh, nope, gotta read a Resident Evil novel. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just very, like, especially things that I have to read. I just had to do two in a row that I had to actually, like, physically read with my eyes, which I'm already really bad at. And I'm bad at everything right now, even more so than usual. So this has been a real experiment in awfulness, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I listen to a certain movie podcast, and, and they're all uh, quarantined together, and they have, like, three extra podcasts where they're doing things like an episode-by-episode episode review of 90210 and stuff, and I'm like, it sounds like you guys are having a great time, and I'm, like, over here reading the worst books on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, I I recommend you do what I did with a book like this, where the uh, audiobook was not available through my library app. So I bit the bullet and went ahead and just paid some money for it and put it on, uh, I believe, I believe I listened to this primarily on a day I like to call Chili Day. So I was making chili amiably in the background. Um, so I, I, I loved this book a whole lot. I believe it concerned... Werewolves? Uh, I, I think so. Now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't realize there was audio. This would have been a great Animal Crossing book. <laughs> that is largely what it was for me, is Animal Crossing and doing the dishes. Yeah. Well, I'll say, yeah, this... if if anyone's library has the Hoopla service, this is available on Hoopla, um, which I'll mm. mention, I guess, for listeners who maybe want to listen to this, but probably don't. Because <laughs> um, I'll I'll step up. I'm going to take responsibility for this book because I read it on a, you know a list of upcoming. This is a pretty recent book. It came out in April, and I read it on my like list of upcoming books. And I saw the title, and I was like, yes, because I <laughs> love Riverdale, the show. And in my excitement, and I knew that I'm not in. And werewolves are kind of like part of our brand, like slightly less than vampires. I was like, yes, perfect. Werewolves, Riverdale, those are two things that are going to go great together. And in my excitement, I like didn't even read the summary. I just literally read the title and I was like, yes, this is everything. <laughs> and I didn't process that this is not a tie into the show Riverdale. It's a tie into the greater Archie verse, but yes. not the show. And I 
really only like the show. I don't care about regular Archie comics that much. So I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> it's actually a tie into not even the regular Archie verse, but the Archie horror line, and particularly a book called Jughead the Hunger, which is about <laughs> Jughead as a werewolf. You see, it works two ways. <laughs> I mean,. The problem is, everything you're saying makes it sound so much better, except the not-actually-a-Riverdale tie-in. It took me quite a while to determine to my own satisfaction that it wasn't actually any kind of Riverdale tie-in. And when I did, I was, like you could hear the scoffing noises I was making alone <laughs> in my kitchen. Like, you're leaving money on the table by making that decision. Sort of like yeah. Moose pulling up in a jalopy going, get out of Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> and I was also like doubly disappointed because I was kind of looking forward to this one because I am familiar with um, two of the author's previous books, uh, which were gay murder mysteries and were very good. And there, A, were no gay people in this book, so already, like, what the fuck am I paying for? Nothing. I got it from Hoopla. But, uh, and two, it just, it wasn't a good book. Uh, it was yeah. bad. I mean, I think that there was some, like, nerfed gay coding in it, but just enough that all it does is annoy and frustrate. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it was probably edited out because there are definitely moments that felt like... Um romantic but uh it was always subtext it was never explicit uh i'm kind of split on the the canon thing here though because uh as as um i've mentioned before i was a fan of the archie comics digest as a kid so like while i do think brooding lovecraft obsessed jughead would have been a better villain than the guy who wears a fedora with a crown cut out of the brim <laughs> i was happy to see miss grundy return to her original form as a woman in her 60s that doesn't sleep with her students so because eh, either way <laughs> i've read i've never read well as like a kid peripherally i was aware of the archie comics but I never really sat down to read them. Um, I started watching Riverdale pre-pandemic. Now I can't watch literally anything except cooking shows. So I haven't gotten further than the first season. But I have read Afterlife with Archie and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which are two of the other Archie horror books, but have nothing to do with Jughead the Hunger. So it didn't actually help any. So I was just really confused a lot, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um Riverdale is a great show. Um, Riverdale is a great and I show. Can go back and forth on this as we have on our own show for many yeah, times. And, well, but. and you guys, you read one of the one of the actual Riverdale tie-in novels, which I myself read just for fun, not even for a podcast. Um, <laughs> and that was way better than this. Yeah, it was. Well, can, can I can I go off on a hot take for a second? I would I would love it if it's about Riverdale. <laughs> it's really about this book and its status as Archie of any kind, whether Riverdale or mainline or horror. All right, um, I guess you can talk about this book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I just want to say, to me, Archie is defined by kind of a milk toast, doofy main character. Mm -hmm. His girl next door best friend Betty slash love interest, mm -hmm. the rich mean girl Veronica, and the 
borderline insane appetitive jughead. Mm-hmm. That is to say, there's four of them. Yeah. And that constitutes a unit of Archie. They are, in <laughs> this fact, book, the gang. Archie yeah. and the gang. The uh-huh. titular gang. <laughs> this book has just enough Veronica in it that you know that the author hasn't literally forgotten the character exists, but 98% of it is a three-hander. Yeah. And it's just Archie, Betty, and Jughead, and that ain't enough. That's not Archie. No, and I agree, because really... I'm a big Veronica fan, and uh, I, I like her snarkiness a lot, and um, yeah, that was a letdown. Especially because it briefly hints, like, oh, the Lodges are a werewolf family. Maybe Veronica's a werewolf. I would love yeah. werewolf Veronica to be in this book. She's <laughs> not. <laughs> in the Archie Comics horror line, she is a vampire. Oh, fuck. Vampironica. Obviously. In this book, even, Archie's like, hey, are vampires real? Like, it turns out werewolves are real. Are vampires real? And they don't answer that question. And that is cowardly. And I, <laughs> I'm i so mad to know that we could have had vampire Veronica in this. Tell us about the vampires, coward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, guess, that... I guess we could... I, you know what? Honestly, the title of this book is a summary of this book. But yes. I, I guess we could give you a slightly longer plot summary. <laughs> it's probably good although i I just wanted to point out there are actually two werewolves in riverdale not one you're right that is true although the other one technically lives in um, oh midville yeah yeah. you're right but he does (sighs) he does come to riverdale so i mean all the yeah murders are in riverdale hoisted by my own baton (laughs) yeah i mean yeah here's here's a longer plot summary a werewolf in Riverdale, subtitle, it's Jughead. <laughs> Parentheses, and his cousin Bingo from Midvale. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way, like, I spent a lot of time in my childhood reading various Archie comics, and they came in all sorts of forms. There was just Archie Andrews, Where Are You? There was Betty and Veronica. There was, like, uh, Jughead Comics Digest. Like, you know, they really, they, they split the brands. I don't think I recall Bingo being a character ever until this book. <laughs> like, Bingo really feels like he was created just to play this role. I could be wrong. And uh, I'm sorry for the mail you're going to get about it. <laughs> well, I've never heard... He's certainly not in the Riverdale show verse. And I feel like if Jughead did have a cool cousin who was in a band, they would have used that by now in the show. Oh. Definitely, like, yeah, he would have been a serpent and playing at the bar, and yeah, okay, anyway, sorry, uh, back to the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it, it starts off, we have um, Dilton Doily, the nerd, who is cutting home from astronomy club and uh, in the dark in the graveyard gets eaten by a werewolf. By the way, that's another thing. This book is gory. Like, it is getting mm-hmm. into the werewolf attack in detail that I didn't want and, frankly, mostly skimmed because I could tell it was gross and that's all I needed. Yeah, um, my first thought when we got to the first murder scene was Renata has regrets. I so <laughs> do. <laughs> I, I'm with you and considering the audience for this book, like, this is like, you know, a, a younger teen book, it felt like. Uh, it felt like a little too much. It's nasty. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, ripped entrails and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. 
Anyway, Dilton's the first one to go. Uh, Archie, uh, Jughead wakes up the next morning feeling strangely full and everyone notices that he doesn't he hasn't doesn't want his 18 breakfasts he normally has and isn't snacking on anything. And also something weird happened at the cemetery and he had this weird dream about the cemetery and he doesn't know what to make of any of it until someone tells him that there was a murder at the cemetery and then his dream comes back to him and he realizes that he dreamt the murder or was there for the murder it's not clear at this point what he fully believes mm-hmm. is going on. And this is the point where uh, I spent some time yesterday practicing trying to teach myself Werewolves in London by Warren Zevon <laughs> on the piano because I had some great parody lyrics, but it turns out uh, that song's a lot harder than it sounds, and uh, I think the world is a better place for me not knowing it. So uh, yeah, thanks uh, to Warren for writing a difficult piano part. <laughs> Um, so who's murdered next? Is it Miss um, Grundy? Is, yeah, next is Miss Grundy. And by the way, in, in this time between murders, they get the day off of school because of the murder. And Jughead's cool cousin Bingo comes to town. He's like, hey, I heard your school was canceled and mine was too. Let's hang out. And uh, at first Jughead says no because he's tired. But then they do hang out later. And also during this time, Archie kind of stalks Betty and Mm. discovers Betty's secret that she is from a long line of werewolf hunters and her aunt Elena runs this bananas werewolf slayer boot camp. (laughs) Yeah, it's her her gym on the outskirts of town. (laughs) And and she's like running through an obstacle course with like a paintball gun and like shooting pop-up targets and all of this. Yeah, it's like like werewolf camp uh, CrossFit or something. Yeah. We should talk for one second about the Jughead Bingo hang, which is weirdly like vampire seductive, not werewolfy. I thought. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a great point. Where Bingo point, is yeah. constantly like, "Should we eat again, Jughead?" You know, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, and like, would you like to listen to my new album? Well, I, I mean, doesn't. I wanted to jump in here and say that I think Bingo is simultaneously the best and worst character in this book um, hmm. because he really is an accurate representation of the type of egotistical jerk who sings for a high school rock band and, like, forces people <laughs> uh, to By the way, a high school demo. rock band named after himself. The band is called The Bingos. <laughs> But yeah, he forces people to listen to his demo and tell him his songs are good and invites potential girlfriends to watch his unsigned band practice. And I was like, oh, this is right on the money. So Um, so they're having their weird sexually charged hang. And uh, the next thing we get is another brutal murder scene where Ms. Grundy is at school late uh and getting ready to go and then uh she's attacked by a werewolf so she you know thinks if she can only just get to her classroom and lock the door everything will be okay and then when she does surprise there is another werewolf waiting for her inside to brutally kill her in detail (laughs) yeah and to give you a you know window into my experience of this book it was right around here that i realized this was not the miss grundy from the show 
and was in <laughs> fact old timey Miss Grundy. This um, is which Miss Grundy may mean classic. that I'm not a very good reader. <laughs> uh, by the way, my my awareness that this book was not Riverdale canon came very early on when there's a casual mention of both Cheryl and Jason Blossom, since hmm. Jason Blossom is murdered. As we yeah. as we all know, at the very beginning of Riverdale, the show. I, I should say that the absolute confirmation that this was yeah. not uh, Riverdale canon was was finally the the final nail in my in the coffin of my hope that this might turn <laughs> out to be Riverdale related. I mean, honestly, Dilton is no way Riverdale consistent, and he's how we start the book. So. Yeah, that too. Yeah, he's not like a crazed. Like a uh, pseudo cult leader of children, so yeah, that makes it a pretty big departure of the show. Yeah, that yeah. sucked because I can't tell you how much time I wasted writing angry notes about how this is inconsistent and like if there's anybody who should be ready for the werewolf attack, it's Dilton. <laughs> it's totally <sighs> true. Yeah. Dilton spends all of his time in tactical gear with a survival <laughs> knife. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's a bunker. <laughs> he's a prepper he's doing he all right right one, now <laughs> yeah he would not be the one chastising himself for being paranoid you know i, anyway. I think dilton's also dead on the show though didn't the gargoyle can get him or did he come back um Any- you know I, I don't want to spoil anything because i and i literally like i don't believe in spoiler culture but i really think that riverdale is just so freaking weird that you have to watch it yourself if you're remotely interested in it and you shouldn't know anything about it going in other than it's weird. So uh, I'm going to just let that hang. All right. Dilton, status unknown in the show. Um, in the book, definitely dead by werewolf. Yes. Along with Miss Grundy. Um, and then after Miss Grundy's death, we have Jughead waking up naked in the graveyard and clothing himself in a trash bag. Which is the kind of detail that I feel like would happen in Riverdale's show. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Um, there's also a part in here where Archie is just like thinking about Miss Grundy and he's like, oh yeah, she was a person. She had a cat. And I was like, that's nice, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out my teacher does not sleep at school. So. Yeah. <laughs> like a good revelation. By the way, Archie's so dumb in this. Betty has to teach oh him the word God. placebo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not... Not the sharpest, uh, Archie. The best you can say about him is he rolls with an awful lot of shit over the course of this book That's and never true. melts down the way, you know, a more reflective person might. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's an open-minded guy would be the nice way to put it. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking um, so, of which, so... um, Reggie Mantle, one of the rich mean boys, is throwing a party because school's closed again yes. because teachers murdered there. And so he's throwing this big party, which Archie thinks is in poor taste, because he's right. And, uh, yes. and But Jughead <laughs> asks for a ride to the party. And so um, at this point, Archie is, Betty has informed him that Jughead is like one of the werewolf suspects, but Archie doesn't want to believe it. So he's like, yeah, like, we'll go to the party, I guess, and I can keep an eye on you and, and know you're not a werewolf, I guess. Yeah, Betty has at this point uh, instructed Archie in the werewolf lore of this universe, which is that 
uh, a person changes into a werewolf on the day of the full moon and the day before and the day after that the only things that can stop them are a silver bullet or slitting its throat or cutting off its head. I wasn't clear if it was both or just the head cutting. I think Um, either, yeah. Yes, and that even though a werewolf might when they're a person like they might be really against being a werewolf as time goes on that will fade and the example given is betty's cousin who uh was attacked by a werewolf and now is a werewolf and he at first would come like religiously to her aunt's boot camp to be locked in a cage where the iron bars are covered with silver every night of the full moon but as time has gone on he has become more resistant to the idea of doing so uh which goes to show that no one can resist the siren call of being a werewolf i guess or being locked in a cage by an attractive woman because uh i just i have to point this out i apologize everyone but i think that the author is maybe getting his freak on a little much in these training scenes considering the intended audience of teenagers uh young teenagers like he He's pretty much waving a flag that says, I want to be trampled by someone in skin tight leather pants and combat boots. <laughs> like, um, and when you look at his author photo, this guy's horny level is off the meter. It's, uh, it's pretty intense. <laughs> I, I think also we're glossing over a tiny detail uh, th- that's important to know about werewolves uh, for the purpose of this show, which is that werewolves have a healing factor. Mm-hmm. wink wink and that the truly fiendish thing about the silver paint on those iron bars is that werewolves are so good at healing that a common way for them to escape cages is to hurl their bodies into the bars until the bars break because they know that their bodies are going to recover and silver is poison to them so that's the only thing that keeps that from working is that as he hurls his body again and again into the cage, the poison gets into his blood and weakens him. And again, not to not to copy Jay, uh, even though that's kind of my standard technique um, <laughs> for the intended audience. That's a little fucked up, man. That's intense. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is on Scholastic Press. Like yeah. <laughs> I was just like if I won this at the book fair, my mom would probably make me bring it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, um how many va- or not vampire families? Whoops. Uh baby's first baby's first underworld over here. Um how many how many uh lycanthrope families are there? Well, yeah, they go into that and they say like, well, it's it's rare for it to show up. But yeah, it's the um the Joneses and the Blossoms and the Lodges and the Mantles. Which and is... there's there's some kind of nonsense in there about like, oh, they they seek packs so they stick together, so that's why they're all in Riverdale. Mm. But it's total bullshit because as has been established in other books apparently, and because it's obvious, the lodges would be vampires. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the blossoms, no fucking way those people are werewolves. Give me a fucking break. You're right. Blossoms and lodges both have big vampire energy. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine Cheryl Blossom, like, you know, like living in the sort of filth required to be a vamp- uh, werewolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to pause the podcast and put in a joint resume. And we expect to be running 
Archie horror imprint <laughs> by the end of the day. I mean, it worked for Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Like, he wrote his fanfiction play, and then now he gets to, like, do it for his job. But anyway. Um, <laughs> he did. It was... He did. It was called, like, my gay Archie... It was literally called, like, gay Archie fantasy or something like that. We'll link to it. This is real. Anyway. link to that. Um... <laughs> The other thing about werewolves in this verse is that if, and this is specifically mentioned, and it does come into play, but it's just like such a horny thing to mention, is that if a werewolf bites you while they're in human form, they can still spread a werewolf to you by their human bite. That does not track with anything I've ever read about werewolves. (laughs) Right? But it's how it works in Riverdale. I will say it's also how it worked on Buffy because Oz became a werewolf after his three-year-old cousin bit him while he was babysitting. Now, you don't think that there's any sort of Buffy uh, referencing (laughs) going on in this, do you? Oh, absolutely not. None whatsoever. No influence at all. (laughs) Definitely not. I mean, my my secret theory is that this basically started life as a Buffy fic uh, and had some Buffy names scraped off and Archie names put on. And again, my evidence for this is that for it to be an Archie, there must always be four. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, wow. That's like... You've just cracked the case, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I love my new life as like Archie truther. (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking of you more like Hastings, you know, like you have solved the case, Captain Hastings. I, uh, no. <laughs> I must twirl my mustache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. um, Sorry, I've derailed this. Uh, we were talking about okay. werewolves in Riverdale, I think. That sounds right. Yeah, they went. They were at Reggie's party, and yes. Betty was pretending to be drunk to like figure out which of her classmates might be a werewolf, which seems kind of suspect because everyone was like nice to her in human form, including yeah. like Bingo, who's defo a werewolf. Is like she's too drunk to drive. Take her keys, and so Jughead gives her a ride home. I mean, he, he on the surface, he seems nice, but he very clearly is doing it because he wants Jughead to murder her. Yeah. And, like, and he even says, like, stop for a bite on the way home. Um, <laughs> and, I think from and, Betty's <laughs> detective work, she is confused that Bingo is being nice. But later yes. she figures out that, indeed, they are both werewolves and Bingo wants Jughead, wanted Jughead to eat her. Spoilers, he didn't. He's a gentleman. Right. But then he does, well, he does go to the chocolate shop and eat Pop Tate, the owner of that establishment. <laughs> yes. And that shit was Which he starts up. by eating all of the raw hamburger that's in the dumpster. And when it's not enough, he bangs on the door until Pop Tate lets him in, demanding more food. And then he just obliterates, just murders him real hard and and eats and there's this really like awkwardly shoehorned line in there that was like jughead had always enjoyed eating pop tates or something like that's uh, the that's the stinger too at the end of the chapter but like it doesn't quite work in like a natural human language and yeah (laughs) and also the whole thing is 
It's real gross. And it lasts forever. It's like a whole chapter of Jughead eating a human. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then that's the end of part one. And then we but have that a... Was, yeah. What? I was just going to say that, yes, it lasts a whole chapter, but that's actually kind of refreshing because the party scene, according to my experience of it, lasted about 17 books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so fucking long. Yeah. Well, because she had to go and talk to each individual person at the party, and there were a lot of people there. Yeah. <sighs> and Jughead and Bingo's whole thing also fucking went on forever, and it was just a lot. A lot happened in a lot of time. Sometimes we read these books, and a lot happens all at once. <laughs> and sometimes we read them, and a lot happens consistently forever and it doesn't stop, and no matter how many times you pause and do something else and come back to it, it's still happening. It's still, yeah. And there's but, also a lot of one month later, two months later, like, this is a protracted investigation. Which is part of, I feel like, the problem of writing a werewolf book when your lore says that werewolves are only werewolves three days mm, out of the month. Yep. Like, unless you're writing a book that takes place over three days. yeah. That, a it's point. a good point, but that would require that would require both skill and care, and I don't think either of those things were employed here. So, yeah, it was just so we like literally jump a month later, and it's like, oh well, for a month, Archie has asked to be trained alongside Betty <laughs> as a werewolf hunter, and for some unknown reason, Aunt Elena's like, okay, fine. I mean, I think it's partly because uh, the only, I think the only other Cooper of that generation is a werewolf, so Betty is the only one. And also um, because it is an Archie book. Yes. Uh, So Archie. I just want to say that part two has a title, and it is part two colon, The Beast Must Die. Uh, So Archie has been trained uh, alongside Betty for the past month, and he's, like, slightly better at killing werewolves now, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. He's not on Betty's level, but who is? And uh, Jughead has spent this time very nervous about the fact that he is a werewolf now, and now he has proof, and he knows it, and he's murdered a bunch of people, and he's very upset about it and, and very and like, stuck. And he's right. He's right yes, to feel he's, that way. Um, he's very convinced that he is a monster and he's very mad at Bingo for taking this like so chill and not caring about the murders. Whereas Jughead still has feelings, I guess. Yeah. And Jughead's is, realizing that Bingo at every step is trying to manipulate him into becoming like more and worse of a werewolf yeah i i I mean there's a real like pardon me but a a real alpha omega situation going on here with uh (laughs) bingo and jughead and this is when i started to get reddit vibes um (laughs) not my favorite thing in a novel uh but yeah say more yeah what do you mean by reddit vibes uh, there's the whole thing about, you know, like, you gotta be the alpha male or else you're the beta male or the omega man starring oh, got Charlton it. Heston. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking about fan fiction, like, alpha and omega, and I was like, I don't know 
<laughs> no, but also, I was just thinking about shitty like pickup forums. I've seen screenshots from on Twitter. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm back Sorry, on board. What, what's the alpha omega in? Fanfiction? I we cannot oh, no, get into it. No, but I will, so no, no. Absolutely. We'll tell you on the break between episodes if you really want to know. Yeah, you we'll, really we'll don't want to know. We'll post a link in our show notes any listeners who don't know, but consider once you know, you'll mm. always know it. You'll never you not can't know. forget it. It's, it's um, kind of like Googling Sonic the Hedgehog deviant art. Like, you're never going to get that out of your brain. Yeah, there are some, some bells you can't unring. Uh, I just want to thank you since I apparently just, you know, revealed my own innocence. Thank you for not Betty Coopering me and calling me a sweet summer child. <laughs> what the fuck? Did, where did that come from? Like, when did Betty Cooper turn into the blind lady from the stand? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just a big Game of Thrones fan, I guess. <laughs> That's that, right? I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but I thought that was that meme. I I don't. All right. no, I think, it, I think it's like... just like a, a way to condescend to somebody. I don't know what it means, but it sounds condescending. I'm, sh- I'm sure someone will tweet at us about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Probably. But I think that's what it's from. Really? Oh. I, I don't think so, because I feel like I have been saying it for a while. Game of Thrones has been on for a long time. All right, you guys keep talking. I'm Googling this because that's their but, whole thing, but, right? Is that like winter is like their seasons are so out of whack. Oh, and so the kids right. have lived in summer for like 10 years because they only have winter every 10 years or fucking whatever. I'm Googling the phrase sweet summer child. And you know, okay. the, the thing about winter is it's coming. I have heard that as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's Game of Thrones. But regardless, we're a month later. Archie's been training with Betty. He's a werewolf hunter now, too. Jughead feels really bad about shit. Bingo is still bingo. Uh, and it's the night of the full moon. And they decide that they, uh, Archie and Betty, are going to hunt down Bingo and Jughead to figure out who the werewolf is and get rid of them. So Archie goes to Jughead's house, uh, and Betty goes to the bowling alley where Bingo and the Bingos are having a gig, I guess, at the bowling alley. Jughead, meanwhile, has bought very heavy chains and a padlock to tie himself up in the woods, uh, and Bingo made fun of him for it and is at the bowling alley singing and being in a band and cheating on many girls at once <laughs> and what? playing what i can only imagine is like really anachronistic like 1960s pop music um the kind like you know the prom song <laughs> the the go-to prom song that goes doom 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 bam, boom 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 like that kind of stuff <laughs> um because a band named bingo and the bingos is not getting it anywhere playing modern music <laughs> Yeah. That's, I'm just that's gonna, a good point. I'm gonna what pop in real quick. All the top hits for Sweet Summer Child are that it is a direct quote from the Song of Ice and Fire, the novel. But Fuck. then this one linguistics person is getting recondescending and saying, I'm amazed by the constantly repeated statements that this phrase first appears in Game of Thrones. Is nobody aware of anything written more than a few years ago? The phrase sweet summer's child became a popular way of describing an innocent, naive person during the early Victorian era. 
Mm. Uh, See, yeah, I was thinking like this sound. That sounds like something from like a Zora Neale Houston, uh, Zora Neale Houston book. Um, it it feels very African American vernacular English to me, <laughs> and not like it should be coming out of Betty's mouth at all. <laughs> anyway, that's all. That's all about Game of Thrones. I'll never As. talk about Game of Thrones. Okay, so yeah, what was the song playing in in the back of y'all's heads? Uh, during this scene because I have a deeply embarrassing to me admission of what everything about this scene like put into my head which scene exactly oh sorry just uh bingo's band playing at the at the bowling alley oh okay you go I I I, I'll I'll have to think about it I don't know why but I I assumed no you go. go ahead sorry no, you. Yeah, I'll I go. Know why. I don't know why. <laughs> um, it was. I mean, for me, it was probably just the Animal Crossing song because that was all I was doing was playing Animal Crossing while I was listening to this. So, rules. you know, his little KK slider cover. Yeah, lighters up. <laughs> KK cruising is the best trick. <laughs> for for me, when I heard like Riverdale adjacent thing and plus gig in a bowling alley, I just started thinking about Josie and the Pussycats because in that movie, they have their first show at a bowling alley. And then I'd start thinking about how much better that was than this. (laughs) So that was better than this. That's certainly not what bingo was playing, but it's what I was like wistfully thinking about. Mm. I was just getting like super strong, you know, nineties anthem energy i don't know why but like i couldn't stop thinking about one headlight and (laughs) jealousy oh is that the wallflowers yeah i believe so yeah Yeah. i think so and the Um, gin blossoms that's a good those are better than bingo probably i I would i was just thinking of like a horribly performed cover of like um i don't know a buddy ollie song or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah because there is always this question of like what year is it in riverdale right could be anywhere from like 1950 to 2050 they kind of have cell phones in this though right yeah but bingo and the bingos would still be playing buddy holly it doesn't matter it's timeless i feel like that's a good point that's a good point it it, it doesn't take place in our verse. Uh, and that's something I need to remind myself. Mm-hmm. I need to accept this piece of art on its own terms. <laughs> yes. Uh, so at the at the bowling alley, uh, Betty bumps into Ethel, who is a classmate of hers. I don't know if she's like a canonical Archie character or what. No. Um, <laughs> she's on the show. She's Barb on the show. Okay. Um, well, she... Things is hanging out, watching the band, and she tells Betty that she's a huge fan, and she's also Bingo's secret girlfriend, but that she can't tell anyone that she's his secret girlfriend because he won't get a record contract if he has a girlfriend, so they just pretend that they don't know each other, and that's totally fine and normal, and Betty immediately is like, oh, dear God. Mm -hmm. Um, Betty's like, you sweet summer child. Yes. (laughs) In, Uh, In the moment, this is kind of the best scene in the book, right? Because 
Ethel is legitimately annoying, but she's a person. And Betty is like, you know what, Ethel? You're not a bad person. And you deserve to like the things that you like and be the person you are. And you need to stand up for yourself. And I, I really I really enjoyed that. Um, put a pin yeah. in that because we'll come back to how the end of Ethel's saga goes in a yeah. couple of chapters. But, but for right yeah, here, I, have, I agree. I they, had a, they had a really nice conversation and she was like, you deserve better. And also in this scene, no one got eaten. And so that's a huge plus too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, did, I did. No entrails here. Yes. And I, I did also appreciate even before that you deserve better um, that whole thing that that I think you're talking about collision where you where she's like oh like I normally come with my other friend but she won't come with me anymore because all I talk about is a band and Betty's like so what like you like it I don't mind listening to you talk about a thing that you like it's fine you know just live your best life and don't worry about yeah being annoying like like the things you like it's cool which was a nice message for about 50 pages um <laughs> yeah. Betty confronts Bingo about his, uh, about Ethel and finds out that a girl that he's talking to in the band's break is technically his, supposedly his girlfriend. And he mentions, she mentions to the girl, like, oh, like, I thought Ethel was his girlfriend. And, you know, this house of cards that he has created of girls that he's been macking on falls down in front of him. And Betty agrees to drive Ethel home, figuring if she does it very quickly, she can get back before the next set. So she'll still be able to keep an eye on Bingo. But on their way home, Ethel mentions that when she was making out with Bingo at a party last month, he bit her. And then uh, she transforms into a werewolf in Betty's car and Betty needs to kill her. Mm -hmm. And R.I.P. Ethel. Yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. Ethel, the way she ends up killing her. And this whole forest scene goes on almost as long as the party scene, I felt like. So uh, long, so gross. Yeah, uh, I believe poor Ethel goes out via decapitation with some, like, sharp sheet metal. Yep. Yeah, um, they end up in a junkyard. Yeah, and it really threw me, too, because afterwards, she calls, Betty calls Archie, and Archie has fallen asleep during his stakeout, and she's like, oh, like, I need help because I need to get back to the the bowling alley before Bingo's next set. And it's like, how much time has passed? I absolutely assume that enough time had passed that, like, that is, it is the middle of the night now, but no... Apparently not very much time has passed after all. Betty's a very efficient werewolf hunter. Yes. And also during this time, Archie had been staking out Jughead's house and saw Jughead leave and followed him into the woods and found him that he had chained himself up um, in the middle of the woods because he knew he was a werewolf monster and didn't want to eat anyone. Uh, But he has escaped the chains and now he also is on the run. Um, so where are we now? Um, well, Betty calls, Betty calls Archie and is like, I need to pick me up because I crashed my car because a werewolf transformed in it. And Archie's like, uh, kind of busy because I was trailing Jughead who chained himself to a tree in the middle of the woods so that he wouldn't transform, which is a nice, a nice thought. Um, <laughs> but he 
so he, I he's kind of like, well, I guess Jughead took care of that. So he goes to pick up Bar- uh, Betty, and they go back to the bowling alley, and they find out from one of Bingo's bandmates that after Betty threw a drink on him, Bingo, like, sulked and left and wouldn't play the second set. So he left the bowling alley right after Betty did. So he's got a lot of unaccounted potential werewolf time that they need to deal with. <laughs> And also, once again, another prime example of a perfectly drawn high school musician. <laughs> well, the girl I like isn't here, so what the what's the point in playing? The other ones who are really well drawn are his bandmates who are like, well, the prima donna left, but we're going to sit around and drink free bowling alley colas. Yeah, they were. They're like, we get paid in free bowling alley snacks and games, so we're still here. Yeah. And you can, uh, you could join us, but only the girl. <laughs> so, um, Jughead goes to Bingo's house as he's, like, starting to transform and is mad at Bingo for manipulating him and setting him up to do all these murders. And Bingo's like, ah, oh, like, it's great, though. You'll love being a werewolf. Why fight it? And as they're fighting in Bingo's kitchen... They destroy the stove, which breaks open the gas main, and uh, there is a big explosion, and a werewolf leaves. And Betty and Archie, meanwhile, uh, have been looking for Bingo's house, because Archie's been there one time, and he thinks maybe he can find it again. And as soon as they get there, the explosion happens, and they... Uh, chase the werewolf who leaves the house to an aquarium, which the thing, aside from the fact that Archie didn't know what the word placebo was, the thing that gave me the biggest, like, that's very unrealistic, is that Betty is the only person in their school who has ever been to this aquarium before. Despite the fact that it's in the town next door, I know how public schools work. Everyone went to that aquarium on a field trip every year forever. You can't tell me they didn't. Uh, Which is neither here nor there. By the way, this this whole section is plotted with a technique known as what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) It's wild. And by the way, like, of all the things that I hate, I hate, like, zombies and, like, gory stuff. And I hate sea creatures, especially, like, a jellyfish. Like, if I think about (laughs) touching a jellyfish, it makes me want to throw up. And, of course, jumping ahead, like, I don't know, 700 pages in this scene, uh, (laughs) at some point, Betty, like, smashes a tank and gets covered with jellyfish. Like, why is this? This book is everything that I hate. Um, There's... I'm I'm still convinced there's a lot of weird fetish shit in this book. (laughs) Also, you're really lucky you didn't grow up in Florida because uh, there were non-poisonous jellyfish. And uh, one of the the most fun activities that a young shitty boy could have, like around age eight or nine, was throwing those jellyfish at one another. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, truly a nightmare. You know, if if you hate zombies and gory stuff would you like to come on a podcast and talk about a resident (laughs) evil book sometime oh that i will put that on my calendar yes (laughs) (laughs) uh so they're at the aquarium and they're hunting for the werewolf and they still don't know if it's bingo or jughead and betty has a confrontation with the werewolf and archie hears it happening from afar and then only hears one gunshot, so he's not sure if 
Betty killed the werewolf or if it got her before she could fire again. And then the werewolf approaches him and he pleads with it to, you know, Jughead, like, remember your humanity, like, you can do this, don't, you need to fight it. And somewhere in Jughead's animal instincts, he, like, hesitates long enough for Betty to show up. And as he is launching himself at Archie, Betty shoots him in the butt. And he (laughs) collapses. (laughs) In that way where it's like, oh, you just know that she shot him. And then like he falls to the floor and there's like a tragic end of end of chapter. And then the next. They refer to Jughead's limp body. Yes. Yeah. End of chapter, like blank page, illustration of the moon, part three colon new moon which by the way uh... Uh, i think i've heard that before (laughs) and it's worth noting i think you specified that jughead just got shot in the hinder i don't think we know that at this time in the book i think we think betty just put jughead down that i think it's absolutely supposed to be a cliffhanger until part three new moon yeah i think we're thinking r.i.p jughead um important question as you're reading or listening to this, did you picture Werewolf Jughead wearing Werewolf Jughead's hat? And why ah. is the answer yes, of course? Ah, <laughs> ah you, you, you stole my thing. I was going to jump right in here with this. Yes, when Jughead <laughs> is a werewolf, he does still wear the fedora that's shaped like a crown, which I oh, think he... I mentioned this on our own podcast before, but not here. There's a name for that. It's the whoopee cap. And it was very popular in the 1950s. Wow. That's so much. (laughs) People used to put their, you know, their pins around their whoopee cap. (laughs) But these days, it's just how Jughead shows how weird he is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I love the idea of like a, a rippling muscular werewolf with a really silly hat. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but, okay. Is he wearing the hat or, because, uh, full confession, I was skimming all of the werewolf stuff because it was really gross. But a big part, <laughs> a big part of the aquarium scene is that for a long time, they are not sure. They know that one of the, or they think one of the werewolves died in the explosion and one of them left, but they don't know if it's Jughead or Bingo. And then while Archie is Archie like sees something in Jughead's face mm. that reflects that he is um, Jughead somehow. And then he starts talking and then he's like sure that it's Jughead. Well, it's only they're... explicitly mentioned the first time you see Jughead or you read about Jughead transforming in the frame. But it is when he's at Moose's, it talks about him being like a huge wolf. With the features of Jughead in that silly hat. That's I mean, so stupid. <laughs> I think there's there's a couple of good in universe ways to resolve this this delicate conundrum. Um, one is I think it's natural to assume that all male members of the Jones, you know, line have to wear the hat. <laughs> or two, it's important to remember that Archie and Betty aren't that bright. So presumably Jughead was probably not wearing his whoopee cap at the aquarium or that would have really cut down on some of the drama there. <laughs> um, but instead we just have the drama of a, a chapter ending cliffhanger. But 
fine. We're in Werewolf and Riverdale, colon, New Moon, and it's three weeks later, and it's just a short, unsettling epilogue of Jughead, who's still alive. Hey. Big and reveal. He's alive, got his hat. <laughs> and there's just like, this is the bit, there's a bit here where it was the moment where I was like, I have to be done with this now. I can't handle this anymore, which is Jughead says to uh, Archie and, and Betty, because the three of them are at the newly opened chocolate shop under new management. Uh, and they're like the only ones there because everyone's real creeped out because a murder just happened there like less than a month ago. And Jughead's like... Oh, like, we need to keep coming here because it's my duty to give back to the community because I'm the one who did the murder. And saying this while shoveling, like, hamburgers into his mouth. Mm-hmm. And that was the point of no return for me where I had to, I don't know, scream into the void for a bit. Luckily, the book is just about over at that point. Uh, yeah, bad news, Jughead, too. When someone gets murdered in your restaurant... It's pretty much done for good. Uh, Happened on the corner near me at one of my favorite pizza places. They never recovered. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh... Well, but just imagine, had the murderer gone in there and bought slices, they probably could have bounced back, you know, no problem, according to, you know, Riverdale logic. That's true. (laughs) Well, you know, I also feel like with with so many true crime heads these days, I feel like it could be kind of a like cachet to it. Like, let's go to the murder chocolate shop. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like the people who go to Waco and then ask the locals like where the Branch Davidian (laughs) tabernacle is. And that's really classy and cool. Yeah. So I don't know. But uh Jughead is responding well to Wolfsbane, which Betty had mentioned earlier as a potential treatment for werewolves, but she said it didn't really work. But I guess it's working for Jughead. Jughead is magically, that has the best temperament and is the best at being a werewolf and the only person good enough to fight it. Uh, he's is, taking... Jughead is the Bella of werewolves. Apparently. He's, uh, he is... he's responding well to treatment and medication. <laughs> In a way that no other werewolves ever have on record done. <laughs> and he's basically fine now. Like, he basically takes the, the wolf's bane on the nights of the full moon. And then he's like a wolf for a couple minutes. And then he goes back to being a human. And it's fine. Although it is only is... three weeks later. So data is limited. Yes. Um, and then the other um, open-ended thing. Like, this is open for a sequel because... They're talking about Ethel and how Bingo bit her and how fucked that is. And then they're like, oh, he probably did it on purpose because he wanted more girl werewolves. And um, I guess next week we'll find out if he did bite any other Riverdale girls because he was like sleeping or at least kissing around. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. See, I I didn't get the implication that it was like he wanted more girl werewolves. I thought that it was he wanted to confuse the police by making more werewolves who would be like new werewolves and unaware of what was happening to them and thus easier to catch now yeah, that yeah i mean that's that's what one character speculates but here's the thing about writing a taut thriller whose criminal <laughs> mastermind is a high school boy <laughs> you don't have to overthink it too much yeah you're yeah, right and- that's what betty thinks his motive was but i think he just wanted more girl werewolves <laughs> <laughs> i agree because in my mind like for some reason every 
every piece of footage of uh, Bingo and the Bingos playing is in black and white. And I just had this like really vivid image of like the Ed Sullivan show and Bingo and the Bingos playing, but the entire audience is filled with shrieking werewolf girls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it would work. I think, yeah, I think that'd be it. Um, okay, that's the end of this book. It was gross and not as good as Riverdale the show, and I just don't know how many times I can say that. <laughs> so I guess, uh, unless anyone has any important details they want to pick up on, we can move on to our dramatic readings. Sounds good. Jay, do you want to kick it off, actually? Because your reading is is a very special selection. Yeah, I wanted to read about the author because um, <laughs> this is uh, one of the best about the authors I've read in a long time. It includes a very, very uh, sultry uh, photograph of the author. And, yeah, that is uh, blue we... steel for sure. Yeah. Caleb Rurig is the author of young adult thrillers, including Last Seen Leaving, White Rabbit, and Death Prefers Blondes. A native of Ann Arbor, Michigan, he has also lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, and Helsinki, Finland. As a former actor and television producer, Rurig has experience on both sides of the camera with a resume that includes appearances on film and TV, not to mention several years in the stranger-than-fiction salt mines of reality television. In the name of earning a paycheck, he has hung around a frozen cornfield in his underwear, partied with an actual rock star, chatted with a scandal-plagued politician, and been menaced by a disgruntled ostrich. And I just love the fact that he needs to let you know that he's... Look, I'm not just a writer. I'm also a director and an actor. And it it gave me very, like, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place vibes. (laughs) My name is Caleb Roaring, Dreamweaver. So... (laughs) That was my dramatic reading. All right, I'm going to hop in next with a little bit from near the beginning, shortly after Dilton's death by werewolf. And I I like it for its mild parallels to an iconic line from Riverdale, the show. But, of course, it's worse. <laughs> Not a lot of people understood Jughead Jones, mostly because, quite frankly, not a lot of people tried. Then again, he wasn't exactly asking to be understood either. From his crown-like hat to the jacket he almost never took off, he wanted to be seen as different, as a weirdo. If the popular kids liked something, Jughead rejected it, proudly and emphatically. Every day, he put on a show of studied indifference, governing his emotions, pretending not to care. Sometimes, the whole stoic, disaffected act even fooled Archie which is why he was not at all prepared when his best friend blacked out in the middle of the school hallway after hearing about poor Dilton. Um, I know this is an audio medium, but everybody who can relate to Jughead Jones, please raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but (laughs) I want to say two things. One, the he in that last sentence, like he was unprepared, uh, was very confusing because it's not clear except from context that that's archie was surprised you know it's like this change of focus that doesn't work quite well also this is 100 percent riverdale's arch or riverdale's jughead not archie comics jughead archie comics jughead is not a brooding introspective loner 
No, he's, he's just a, a hungry rebel. weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a hungry, possibly horny, we don't know, <laughs> thank God, weirdo. With an incredibly fast metabolism. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Collision, you want to take us home with one last dramatic reading? I would I would love to. And I, I don't know that this is that dramatic, but this was by far my favorite part of the book. Uh, we haven't talked very much about Aunt Elena Cooper, um, but she's your veteran slayer. I mean, she is your experienced werewolf hunter. Yeah. Um, there's definitely no gimmick infringement going on with respect to <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer here. Is it ever explained in the book also, by the way, why she didn't just kill the fucking werewolves. There's, there's just this like busy. There's this vague <laughs> thing where like they all they each have their own point. like cases or whatever, like missions, and then whoever's oh, mission God. it technically is, they're the one who's in charge. Because Betty keeps every time Elena's like, oh, like, Archie's the worst. Betty's like, but it's my mission. And if I say that there's going to be no casualties, or if I say that Archie works with me, then you have to listen to me for reasons that aren't clear from the narrative. Okay. Okay, so so it's like a family model, but also a franchise model. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) It doesn't seem very efficient. It's like the Little Caesars near my house does not do delivery, despite what the commercials on television may tell you. <laughs> right. Yeah, and like Betty can say things like, well, there are two of them and only one of me. I could use a little backup. And Elena's like nervously not making eye contact. It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I got, a, I got a thing those three days. Did, I mean, you know. I have shiny black hair. It requires a lot of washing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read you a little bit of uh, what Elena Cooper gets up to um, on a Thursday evening. The music she'd picked tonight was bass heavy. The beat relentless, thudding like an external heartbeat as she stretched her limbs. The obstacle course had been rearranged from the night before, with new targets and a few extra challenges thrown in for good measure. Because despite the late hour, Elena Cooper was antsy, and she needed to blow off steam. Jacob had shown up ten minutes past sundown, sullen and drunk, and she could practically smell the beast inside, fighting to surface, as she'd taken him to his cell. He wouldn't return at the next full moon. She already knew it. She could see the conflict in his eyes, the shame over what he'd become, warring with his fear over what would surely happen if he made the wrong move while under her watch. And, before long, he'd be making plans to run, which meant she would have to go after him. Taking a swig from her water bottle, Elena started the timer and launched into the course. I love that it's Uh, a water bottle. (laughs) Time to play the game! Oh, wait, (laughs) wrong show. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So good. I just wanted to, to to mention that her obstacle course has a very like a Riverdale Gladiators vibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you could duck the basketball at the trash can before Ice or Blaze tackles you, you win a copy of the home game. So yeah. Yeah, it's very that. Um, 
Yeah, let's move on to Would You Rather, and our our guests have prepared some questions for us, so um, do you guys want (laughs) to ask those? Sure. Uh, I can go first, I guess. Um, So for me, you know, this book uh, really staked me on the the horns (laughs) of a dilemma, and that dilemma was, would you rather shoot your best friend's best friend in the butt, or go back to the restaurant whose owner you ate because you need to make reparations one burger purchase at a time. (laughs) (laughs) It is a really tough call. But I, I like to support a local business and I think now more than ever, that's so important. So I I guess I'll be back at the chocolate shop (laughs) using my conscience. I, uh, Oh, sorry. Keep going. I was just going to say, I don't trust myself to be able to shoot my best friend's best friend in the butt. I Mm. can't imagine that I'd be that good of a marksman. So I think by default, I kind of have to uh, go back to the restaurant whose owner I ate uh, to continue to bring business to them. And I do also, I do walk around with a guilty conscience about everything constantly. So I, I do as much as I was over the book at that point. Um, I can actually probably see myself doing that. <laughs> I did do a murder here, so I do guess I need to continue to get their takeout, even though their French fries aren't very good. <laughs> this um, changes the murderer returning to the scene of the crime dynamic so much. <laughs> <laughs> My whole thing is uh, I'm really bad with shame. <laughs> And um, if I do something embarrassing enough at a restaurant, like, say, you know, get drunk and start crying uh, for various reasons, I will never return to the restaurant. Um, Don't ask. And uh, um, so I think it would be a lot easier for me to shoot some dude I barely knew in the butt. Plus, I rule at House of the Dead. So I I think I could do it. That is a good point, because... At one point when I was in grad school, I went to the Target snack bar enough that I had a usual at the Target snack bar, <laughs> mm. which was a pretzel and a, uh, uh, they had the lemonade ices. It was that. Um, but it was like the moment that she was like, oh, you want that? Right? I was like, I got to stop coming here. And I didn't murder anyone at Target. <laughs> but yeah, I... the only person who knows that isn't there so maybe this whole because he's dead um so maybe it's a different dynamic actually <laughs> hard to say <laughs> all right uh jay what what fiendish dilemma have you posed for us uh would you rather experience the horrible prolonged agony of changing forms from human to beast over the course of several hours, or tell your asshole cousin that his band is good. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll jump in. Um, the thing is, is I don't take my own opinions that seriously, nor uh, I think do I specialize in liking good things. So it, it is like water off a duck's back to me to tell somebody... Uh, that they made something good or that they made something bad. Like, that's <laughs> fine, man. It's it's just a thing you did. It's not a referendum on your worth as a person. So <laughs> okay. I, would, I would definitely rather do that. 
<laughs> yeah, when I was in high school, I did have the very, like, cliche straight girl high school experience of dating a guy who played bass for a band, which, oh, no. which, oh, no. which oh, no. changed their name every time they had a concert. And yes! like, there, there weren't that many underage places to play in our town, so they only had a concert, like, every, I don't know, five months or something. But every time they had one, uh, they had a somehow a different name so i am experienced <laughs> at telling men their bands are good and i i could do it <laughs> i i would prefer i would prefer not to be a werewolf of this style i could handle being a twilight style werewolf but i don't want to be a riverdale werewolf it's gross yeah i don't know i i, I think i agree with everybody um <laughs> Yeah, this is rough because I do hate telling men that they're good at anything, <laughs> uh, especially when it's a lie. Mm. But I do also, I am, I mean, I, I'm not very good at, at taking pain and, and uh, without whining quite a bit <laughs> about every little ache and pain. Um so I might, I might have to suck it up and take one for the team and tell a man that his thing is good, even though it's not. And then, I don't know, do penance some other way. Yeah, I mean, you could subtweet him later. That's true. <laughs> or you could find, like, the one part that's pretty decent. Like, hey, I really like that drum fill there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, your band is so well produced. <laughs> I really like the pizza at the bowling alley you guys stay at. <laughs> yeah. But I want to highlight the whiny werewolf. There's something there. I would I would enjoy a story about somebody who was a werewolf and just wanted to give it up somehow, not because of the unspeakable atrocities they committed in beast form, but just because it's inconvenient and uncomfortable to transform. That's kind of that's kind of what is going on with the werewolves of New Moon, especially when they split into rival packs. But you know what? We've talked about Twilight so much. I can't, <laughs> I I can't talk about why. it now. <laughs> uh, also, I've seen New Moon, he said defensively. Oh, well, no, this is more in, like, Eclipse and Breaking Dawn that they start getting into the full werewolf of it all. Mm. Okay, okay. I mean, but, I just don't want you to think that I somehow am completely ignorant of the, the you know, franchises that define our times. Of course. Well, and, and it's not really the focus of it. Like, I still would read the book you're describing, but it's it's kind <laughs> of what they're getting into, along with all the other problems that they have to deal with over in Forks. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to our final Would You Rather question. And I'll ask, mm. would you rather eat at Pop's Chocolate Shop or eat at Steaks and Cakes, our beloved sponsor, which is, of course... The fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that serves only whole steaks and whole cakes. Uh, quick question. Are we talking pre or post uh, Pop Tate murder chocolate shop? Great question. Um, well, we can say pre. <laughs> we can say the chocolate shop at its full capacity. Okay. So this is uh, chocolate shop V1.0. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. For me, definitely going to have to be steaks and cakes because A, I like 
both things. I could probably eat a whole one of both things. And uh, there is a scene in here where Pops's apron is described that is one of the most horrifying things in the book and almost made me yak. So, uh, <laughs> uh, because it talks about like how his his apron, ah, oh, God, it, it's like it has ketchup on it, it has grease on it, it has ice cream on it, a whole bunch of others. It's like cross-contamination city, man. Like, I would not eat there if you paid me. Fair. I would also have to go with Shakes and Cakes. Uh, they are the beloved sponsor of this program. Uh, and I I do really appreciate their, uh, you know, very varied menu. You get a steak, you could get a cake. Uh, and probably not that many teenagers there. Exactly. Ooh. That's what I was going to say. Point. Was, you know, I, I like to work with teens. Teens are fun. But when school gets out in the town where I work, in normal times, when school is open, in normal times when businesses are open and we're not under pandemic, when school gets out, like the Starbucks becomes just like the Thunderdome and it's just like packed with middle schoolers. (laughs) If I want a coffee in the early afternoon, I have got to get it before those kids are out of school or it's just not going to happen. Um, Oh, wow. The Starbucks Becomes the Thunderdome just went in my list of possible song titles. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to hear it at the bowling alley. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me it's good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I hate to say it. Like, I will gladly ride along with y'all. For a nice night at Steaks and Cakes. Uh, But as the vegetarian, I'm probably going to have to pre-funk at Pops and like sullenly choke down some fries and a house salad. Um, He does have a mean Caesar salad in the television Riverdale at least. Oh, but wait, that's got fish. Never mind. Yeah, not that one. Well, I just want to chime in that this is a struggle for me too because I am vegetarian. So I... I also don't eat the steak, but I, mm. I'll eat a whole cake and, yeah, probably some trail mix or something beforehand. Nice. Uh, what if they had an impossible, <laughs> an impossible <laughs> steak? <laughs> Would oh. eat. Then, Just then a... the dile- there would be no dilemma whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, then I would be writing emails asking Steaks and Cakes if there were any chance they could sponsor a second podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's move on to reader's advisory well we will suggest some stuff to read instead of or in addition to this book um we will have the full list up at worstbestsellers.com with some titles we didn't get a chance to talk about and i'm just gonna say i've said it 10 times already just watch riverdale on the cw that shows no, it's not great, but also it's great. Just watch it. <laughs> uh, no, it's great. <laughs> I'll take um, I'll take that one to the grave. <laughs> uh, I'm going to repeat again that I have read both Last Seen Leaving and White Rabbit by this author, and I did like both of them very much. Uh, they are queer murder mysteries. They're YA. They're pretty fun if you're into that sort of thing, which I am. And I'll have more stuff on the website, but also if you like teenage werewolves, try the Ginger Snaps franchise. Mm. Nice. Uh, I will go, you know, easy uh, and recommend something for watching 
because uh, as we've talked about mostly off air, reading is difficult in these troubled times. Oof. Has anybody mentioned that these times are troubled? Possibly everybody <laughs> has mentioned that these times are troubled. Uh, so something that I had not seen until very, very recently, despite the fact that it could not be more in my wheelhouse, is a movie called Gas Food Lodging. And it is a non-metaphorical, extremely literal, and extremely good look at adolescence and the transformations that uh, adolescence puts us through or puts, you know, these two sisters through, one about 18, one about 14. Um, it's directed by Allison Anders. It has both a soundtrack by and a cameo from Dinosaur Jr.'s Jay Maskus, which makes oh, me, awesome. again, <laughs> deeply confused about how I did not see it until just now. Um, but it's extremely good. Uh, not the funnest watch, you know, because it's dealing with some heavy feelings, but uh, uh, extremely good and couldn't recommend it more highly. Uh, for me, uh, also just right off the bat as a uh, long-haired wizard-looking man, uh, mm-hmm. always down for Jay Mascus. Uh, but I think I just have a hard agree with the just watch Riverdale sentiment. Like that show has murders and a fucking demon king. You don't need a weird horror offshoot of a 1960s comic book to get what you're after. If in fact you are after this, you really don't. Uh, all right. So like we said, we'll have that and some other stuff up at worstbestsellers.com and we will move on to our candy pairing where we'll, suggest a a tasty treat to go along with this book just like when restaurants were open they would recommend a wine to go with your meal uh my candy pairing is not a candy but it is a cold mushy french fries because they have so much potential and then it's extra disappointing when they're bad Mine is kind of the same because I had such expectations coming in for this, mostly the expectation that this would be a werewolf story set in the Riverdale uh, universe. And it reminds me a lot of Mr. Good Bar, which is not a great candy bar, but is a very fine candy bar with exactly two ingredients, Hershey's milk chocolate and mediocre peanuts. But it turns out when you leave the mediocre peanuts out, you're just left with Hershey's milk chocolate. And fuck, man, that's kind of a bummer. You just pissed off so many Pennsylvanians. (laughs) (laughs) Come at me, bro. (laughs) I just had a last minute change. Um, For me, it's Laffy Taffy because it's beige and unremarkable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, Laffy Taffy was better when it was square. And now that it's rectangle, it's extra garbage. Or maybe that's just because I'm older now. But I think it really was better when it was square. Just like how Riverdale's better when it's a show. Mm -hmm. And not when it's a rectangle book. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that Uh, metaphor came together so well. Thank you. (laughs) Um, My candy pairing is... um, if, if I had gone into Pop's chocolate shop and I had said, like, please bring me a delicious chocolate shake. And he was like, what? Yeah, totally. And then he brought me the most disgusting, like, very rare hamburger that was just, like, super bloody. And, like, I don't eat meat to begin with, but this one is extra disgusting. And I'm like, oh, no, I thought it was going to be delicious Riverdale. And it's so disgusting. Mm. And that's what this is. <laughs> the kind where you can't even pick it up because the bottom bun falls apart. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Oh. It's that. 
All right. Now, now that all of our appetites are ruined, it's time for the rock paper snicked where Kate will say who Dwayne, the rock Johnson would be if you're in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And uh, Jay and collision will pick which most improves the book or they can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. All right. If Dwayne, the rock Johnson was in this book, he would basically take the place of Aunt Elena as Betty's, like, worldly trainer who uh-huh. understands the cost of letting your feelings get in the way. Uh, and there would probably be at least two uh, extended unnecessary scenes of him running the obstacle course. Nice. Shirtlessly. Just like the Titan Games. This It would be a tie-in with the Titan Games. Um I, if Wolverine were in this book, I think he'd be Aunt Delina's old army buddy who'd be in town in Riverdale because he's checking out the local maple syrup, which he appreciates as a Canadian. But while he was around, he would use his werewolf-like senses to detect Bingo's whole werewolf deal. And he would get to the bottom of this mystery before Bingo could bite Ethel. And so Ethel would be saved and Bingo would be vanquished. Well, I'm just going to say it. Obviously, the answer is both. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going with The Rock because I think he'd have some quips as mm-hmm. well. And uh, if there's one thing I love, it's Rock quips. Like, yeah. I can imagine Archie being like, I just don't know how I feel about trying to kill my friend. And The Rock interrupting him to go, it doesn't matter what you feel. So, anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, is, is The Rock here now? That was... <laughs> <laughs> Where did Jayco? <sighs> All right. Well, good game. Good game. Um, what do we think the moral of the story is? Um, I think the moral of the story is that straight people ruin everything. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I said it's, I'm I mean, sorry I mean, for we picking do. this book. <laughs> we do. Um, especially, like, supernatural, like, I don't know, fiction. We're really bad at it. Um, so I agree. Well, my moral is just, uh, don't underestimate Betty Cooper in any verse. (laughs) True that. Uh, I think I, I gotta say that, uh, this was a very surprising, uh, moral for me, but it turns out that, uh, when it comes to entertainment value, no amount of half decently done action horror can replace the assassin sparkle of a mean rich girl. Yeah, no, not enough, Veronica. So true. And barely any Cheryl. I love Cheryl. Yeah, that's... that's I know Cheryl's point. not a key part of the foursome, but I do love Cheryl. No, I love Cheryl because I mentioned this on our show, but she she talks like Lana Turner in like the nineteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like an old black and white picture, and I love that. It's just so anachronistic and awesome. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what does she get in this book? She gets one couple of... She gets one exchange with Betty drunk at the party, right? And that's it. That's it. Yeah. And and it's not anachronistic at all. Like, she doesn't call anyone, like, a dame or... I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Nary an iconic spider brooch. Yeah. (laughs) What's she even doing? All right. Well... For me, the moral of the story is Scholastic Books now traffics in novels for creepy teenagers who own way too many Iron Maiden t-shirts and collect serial killer autobiographies. (laughs) Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess they gotta do what they need to do to stay in business. I mean, um, actually, I'm not a teenager, 
So, and I didn't even like this book that much. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Duarte's Corner, where my beautiful murderous cat Duarte will share his opinions on the book. Yeah, I mean, Duarte, I, I can see where you would find all the descriptions of entrails a lot more appealing than I did, but I I do I do agree that werewolves are inferior to the panthers introduced by True Blood, and I, I don't mm. know what to do about that. Or to say nothing of cat people. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Duarte, I agree. Um, where can you find a burger with sardines on it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like if you just hold out, I mean, Riverdale sounds bonkers. I'm only in the first season, but maybe Weird Panthers will show up eventually. You gotta <laughs> keep the dream alive. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed. All right. Well, Duarte, thanks as ever for your opinion. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Not I. No. No, I got I got nothing. Uh, you know, there's a reason you don't put Duarte's Corner at the beginning which is because it would just make the rest of it useless. Yeah, he does sum it up so well. Um, I mean, my closing thoughts are just, this will teach me again and again, I have to be taught not to judge a book by its cover. And in this case, I I got too excited and I thought it would be better than it was. Just, it's fine. I guess, I guess I do have a closing thought and, it's that I really want a foreigner reunion so I can hear the song <laughs> Gay Archie Fantasy. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, if you want to come talk to us about um, Riverdale or Weird Panthers or whatever's on your mind, um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash worst bestsellers um, and Instagram. We're also worst bestsellers. On Twitter, we're at Worst Bestseller with no S because uh, the S is in the alternate universe where um, it, it's in the universe of the show, but we're here in the book universe, so we don't get the S. And so, you know, it's different. Um, Can't spell Riverdale without an S, they say. <laughs> uh, it's because the S is on Jughead's shirt. That's where it went. <laughs> oh, good call. Good call. <laughs> In this verse, that's on his shirt. Yeah, in, 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 the, in the cool verse, it's a double-headed snake, and I may or may not be wearing that T-shirt right now. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the podcast places. You know what they are. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up a bit on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review, then we're going to have to make you run Aunt Elena's obstacle course like a lot. And we're going to, it's going to be real, real ogly. We're going to make it really uncomfortable for you. You're going to feel very uh, taken advantage of. <laughs> Objectified. That was the word I was thinking for. Objectified. Got it. Um <laughs> Uh, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, Patreon is a site where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation. It goes to do things like help us pay our editor, uh, keep our website up, and stuff like that. And uh, 
for your trouble, you will get access to things like our newsletter and uh, monthly stuff. Monthly newsletter. M- newsletter is monthly. We just changed all our, our Patreon tiers, and I can't remember what they are now. But go, you should go, go there, them. and you'll know what they are. Uh, and you can also go to worstbestsellers.com to click on merch to explore the merch that we offer. Uh, and you can get some things so that you could wear our podcast on your body. Yeah. All right, and where where can our listeners find you guys if they want more of this Jay and Collision experience? <laughs> the easiest place to find us is I don't even own a television.com, uh, where there are links to all of our various social media presences, uh, most of which we don't check anymore. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, you get our emails there, all that good stuff. Yeah, and if you uh, want to have some fun online with like-minded folks. I can recommend the I Don't Even Own a Television Funtime Party Pit on Facebook, which you can find if you're on Facebook by searching I Don't Even Own a Television Funtime Party Pit. Which Uh, also, it should be mentioned, includes tons of worst bestseller fans, uh, because every time we mention we're doing a crossover show, we get like 80 million excited reaction gifts. So, Uh, That almost makes me want to get Facebook. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a place for people to come together and talk about bad books, good books, share animal pics, mm-hmm. the huge, but better. Uh, so yeah, you'd, you'd enjoy that. And thank you so much for having us. This is so much fun. Uh, yes, sorry about the book. Thanks for joining though. us. <laughs> yeah. Always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. And, uh, if, if for some reason you only listen to our show and don't listen to, I don't even own a television, like, A, I don't. I don't know what's up with your priorities, but B, uh, we have appeared on their show before and we will again soon. So you should definitely listen to those episodes, especially. They are never not fun. Uh, we could probably <laughs> put links to those uh, up as well. That, hey. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we, you guys all know how the internet works. You can find all this on the internet. Um, <laughs> thanks again, Jay uh, and Collision for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening, and we'll see you. Oh, and I forgot to say, we'll see you in two weeks with our very special 150th episode flashback summer super special edition. Uh, it's it's a really big paperback, not like the normal ones. <laughs> Get ready. Um, all right. Bye. Bye. Stay bye. safe out there, even by the light of the full moon. <laughs> And hey, no matter how much it compels you, don't go outside. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.